What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That is the important account to go check out right now, EthosFantasyBB. All of our baseball and fantasy baseball content will be posted there throughout the offseason and, of course, heading into next year as well. We've brought on a ton of content creators over these last couple of months who are going to start ramping up their work come the new year, maybe some stuff in December as well. But once we hit January, it'll be full steam ahead for baseball and fantasy baseball content. So make sure you are following over there. We're still adding people into the Discord as well. That's a backup plan in case Twitter does happen to crash or the site goes down for a couple days or whatever. All of our stuff would move over to Discord, podcast links, article links, uh, different notes that are usually on Twitter. They would just appear in the Discord instead. So you guys can send me a message, and we'll add you up into there as soon as we can. Today we are going to continue with our pitching review. We started off yesterday with Michael Simeon. Big thank you to him for coming on the show. We talked about the elite starters of 2022 And we aren't going by ADP here. You guys who have listened to the show regularly know how we've been doing this. We're going based on their value in 2022. So Garrett Cole was somebody we mentioned just at the end yesterday. He's somebody, I mean, he's the number two pitcher by ADP right now. But his 2022 season was not one of the best of the pitchers uh, this last season. He was like the 20th or so best starter, uh, maybe even a little bit farther down the board. We were going Verlander, Alcantara, Urias, Manoa, Otani, those guys who were the cream of the crop in 2022, and we're going to continue with that today. Uh, there are so many great pitchers that these guys are going to talk about today. We're all still in the elite category, uh, you know, quote-unquote elite category, even though they weren't in that upper top tier, per se. Uh, still an incredible group of pitchers we're going to go over today. And we're going to start off with Max Scherzer. So he was the 16th player off the board in 2022 by ADP. He finished as the 32nd overall player on Yahoo, which is really impressive, especially considering he only threw 145 innings. It was the fewest innings that he had thrown in a season. And, of course, I'm taking away 2020 because that doesn't really count. It was his fewest innings since his rookie year in Arizona where he only had seven starts. Uh, He did miss some time. I think that there is a little bit of worry uh, about him at this age, specifically with, you know, there's some injury stuff. Plus he talked about the fact that he's 38 years old. Uh, His ADP is at 45 so far this season. And I think that feels pretty correct. And that's of course, just talking about draft champions. Uh, I filtered out the gladiators when I'm looking at the ADP. For those of you who are not familiar, the gladiator format is like a new format they have on the NFBC where you just draft 23 players and then that's your roster for the entire season. There's no moves. There's no setting your lineups. Those are just your players. And, <clears throat> excuse me, we've seen some really crazy ADP stuff, specifically with closers being pushed really high up the board. Uh, it, it's a little bit weird. So I filtered those ones out. We're just looking at draft champions. And he is going as the 45th pick, so just at the end of round three. Uh, maybe you're getting him at the beginning of round four in some cases. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, we talked about yesterday with Justin Verlander. And I think it's pretty similar with Scherzer that he's not going to want to be shown out the back door, uh, you know, have a five plus ERA and then retire on that. I would not expect him to have anything like that. Uh, if he's not fully 100%, I don't think he would go. And of course, you know, these things do happen. Players fall off a cliff. Everybody's always intending to have a good year. Uh, but with guys like Scherzer, who is just so incredibly elite, even this last year, uh, you know, he wasn't quite, maybe quite what we were expecting um, in terms of the 
duration, amount of innings he pitched. Uh, but when he was out there, he was still incredible. He had a 229 ERA. He won 11 games. He's still striking out over 30% of batters, which did fall a little bit. He was last year 34, uh, the year before 31, 35, 34%. This year, 30.6% strikeout rate, which was his lowest in God going back to 2014. Uh, but he also had his lowest career walk rate at 4.2%. And when you look at the pitching indicators, which I do like to do, I don't like to look at any one in particular. I like to look at all of them. Uh, he had a 287x ERA, a 262 FIP, a 323x FIP. And the Sierra, where is his Sierra? It was 288. So everything is in line there still with elite production. Uh, we should still be able to see a borderline SP1 season from him. I don't think that he should be taken, you know, too much higher than ADP. I think if you're talking around pick 40, maybe, you know, if you're in the late 30s and you want to take him, I'm all right with it. I don't know that I'd want to have him as my number one starter. I think it's probably still okay. Uh, but there is some concern in my mind about having a 38-year-old be the ace of your staff. The numbers are still really good. But the age is is the main concern. Also, there could be some injury stuff that does tend to happen as you get older. There is a lot of tread on the tires. He's thrown nearly 2,700 innings in the bigs. There's a lot of years where he was well over 200. Uh, he's thrown 214, 228, 228, 220. Uh, a lot of mileage. So I'm, I'm pretty confident in Max Scherzer. I don't think that he is... I mean, he's still an elite pitcher. I don't think he's in that you know top three pitchers in the game conversation anymore. He was the best pitcher in baseball. For a good couple of years there, I mean, you could argue anyway, uh, his years in Washington near the end, or not even really near the end, most of his tenure in Washington, a couple of years in Detroit as well. Uh, he was truly one of the best pitchers in baseball. I don't really think he is anymore. Maybe per inning basis, he can still go out there and put up some great numbers. But I think that this price is pretty right around pick 45, end of the third, beginning of the fourth is where I would generally uh, wanting to be taking uh, Max Scherzer. The next guy we're going to talk about is Yu Darvish. His ADP coming into this year over on Yahoo was 88. He finished as the 34th overall player on the site. He had a very good season, and his price is the same heading into next season. Uh, it's 84, and I mean, some of that might be the age. Uh, his strikeouts were down a little bit for most of the year. He did pick them up down the stretch, uh, but it was still his lowest ever strikeout percentage, 256 but again, similarly to Max Scherzer, it was nearly his lowest ever walk rate, 4.8. Uh, he was at 4.7 in 2020. But over the course of a full year, uh, this is one of the best seasons uh, that we have seen Darvish put up, which is kind of crazy because there were some really great years in there. Uh, but a 310 ERA, he won 16 games. Uh, the pitching indicators are a little bit higher than 310. They're typically going to be a bit higher than your ERA regardless. Sometimes it's the opposite, but generally they're going to be a little bit higher a 349 XERA, 331 FIP, 358 XFIP, and then the Sierra was 339. So uh, everything is pretty much in line with what he did this year. Is there some concern about the strikeout rate? Maybe a little bit, but he did pick it up as he went along. Uh, he started off the year really not striking out too many batters at all, and that was a big concern. There were some people who were dropping him. I saw in May, you know, there was not a lot of people, but there was a couple people who saw the low strikeout rate. Uh, the not great production overall, and he was dropped in a couple of leagues. I'm not talking about your deeper leagues, but, you know, 10-team league, maybe a couple of 12-team leagues. Uh, people were ready to move on. In July, well, in June, he had a 22% strikeout rate after having an 18% strikeout rate in May, and then he got it back up to 33 in July, and then it was 25 in August, and then to end the year, September, October, it was just shy of 30% at 29.5. So he did pick it up as the year went on. It was certainly concerning uh, at the start, but 
the way he finished off was was pretty strong. September, October, a 185 ERA. Uh, I'm still pretty confident in him specifically at this price as an ADP of 84. Uh, I, I don't think that there is too much risk. I mean, there's obviously going to be some risk when you're drafting a guy who's 36 years old. But you're talking about a really good team. You're talking about a guy who still got it. He showed us, especially in the second half. I know a lot of people like to do this. You look at the second half numbers and you look down the stretch to see what a guy did, more so than the entire year. And he ended the season. His second half was a 271 ERA. He had a sub 200 batting average against. I'm feeling pretty confident in him. He's the 35th total pitcher off the board. Uh, minimum pick of 62, maximum of 103. I wouldn't be taking him at 62, but if you're getting anywhere close to pick 100, which we are generally even just by ADP, uh, I'd be pretty happy to take him there. Probably as your SP3, SP2, SP3. And we talked about this yesterday with Michael about how there are so many viable strategies this year. It feels like the player pool is is very deep. Uh, There's a lot of good starters. There are a lot of good catchers. There are certain positions where they're feeling pretty flush. Um, so there might be a chance that you take Darvish in certain cases. Some people may have him as their first pitcher just because that has been a really popular strategy this year. You take your first six picks or so as batters, and then you go a couple pitchers here uh, around, you know, the, between the 70 and 115 kind of range uh, by ADP or by draft pick. Then you start to take some pitchers. And we went over this yesterday as well. I really recommend you guys listen to the show yesterday if you haven't. There are a lot of viable strategies. You could very easily, and Michael was talking, he is, he's a pitching expert. And, you know, expert gets thrown around a lot, but that he is, he is a pitching expert. He is still going uh, pocket aces as his recommended play. He wants to go a couple pitchers early, and I think that you can absolutely do that. I personally would rather go, I mean, maybe with one ace in the first two rounds and then really hammer batters because there is a lot of value in this range and beyond in terms of starting pitchers. And I think you, Darvish, at pick 84 makes up for a really nice little play uh, in this range. The next guy we are going to go over here is Nasty Nestor Cortez. His ADP coming into the season was 218 on Yahoo. <clears throat> he just barely was able to get an ADP. I think they only have him up until the 240s or so. He wasn't somebody who was being drafted like in every single case, but where you did, you were very happy. He finishes the 37th overall player on Yahoo. And his ADP this season, 115. It's it's better, it's higher, but it's still not really where you would expect it to be after he put together a couple of really nice seasons. Because we, we're forgetting, even in 2021, because I've heard some people say it might be a little fluky with Nestor, and maybe it is a little bit, but in 2021, uh, he pitched, he had 14 starts and he had a 290 ERA. So it wasn't like this was just completely out of the blue. Uh, his numbers are pretty similar to last year. Strikeout percentage, walk percentage are about the same. He went down 1% uh, for strikeout rate from 27.5 to 26.5. Walk rate, 6.7%, down to 6.2%. I think that there's still a lot of value, especially in this range. And I think that's a general theme with a lot of the guys we're talking about today. Maybe not so much with Max Scherzer, but everybody else we're going to go over is a a huge value as far as I'm seeing it right now. Uh, If you're talking as the 47th pitcher off the board, he's going in the exact same spot as Hunter Green. Uh, Given the opportunity to take either or, I'm going with Nestor Cortez 100 times out of 100 there. I know that Green has a lot of potential, but he also plays in a shitty ballpark. He walks too many batters, and he gives up a lot of hard contact. We're expecting him to kind of carry over the way he was kind of trending last season, which which was upward for sure. And he is, you know, talking dynasty, I'd much rather have Hunter Green. But heading into next year, this is redraft prices. They're both going in the exact same range. And side note, we're not talking about Hunter Green here, but 115 feels like a ridiculously high ADP for him. Uh, Nestor Cortez in this range, after having back-to-back years, sub-3 ERA, uh, I'm taking it for sure. The indicators for him, 270 XERA, 313 FIP, 364 XFIP. 
and his Sierra. I always lose the Sierra because it's in a different spot here uh, on Fangraphs. 348. So everything was pretty reasonable. Uh, you know, a touch above his ERA for sure, but not anything too crazy where you need to be that concerned. Uh, if you're talking more than like a run on average for me, then that's when you start to get a little bit worried. We're talking here... You know, you look at everything, probably, I'm not going to average this out in my head right now. I'd make a fool of myself doing math here, but I think we're probably talking like mid threes, maybe even a little bit lower uh, if you're averaging out all the pitching indicators, which is still completely fine. Uh, the strikeout rate is just above league average, walk rate just below, plays for a good ball club. I'm not really too worried about taking him around this range. He's probably going to be your fourth pitcher, maybe fifth pitcher off the board in this range. And again, there's so many strategies maybe he's your seventh pitcher, maybe he's your third pitcher. But I think whatever the case is, I'm pretty confident taking Nestor here. He threw 158 innings this season, which I believe was the most he had ever thrown in a year. Uh, yeah, I believe it was. And I think he can probably give you you know, a little bit more next year, close to 170 in that kind of range. And something else that we've talked about a little bit here on the show, maybe not quite enough, is that you don't have to, he won't have to face um, the American League East as much as he would typically next year. I think it's usually 70 division games, and now it's going to be 50, 54. I think it's 72 last year, and in previous years, uh, that's how many times you play teams within your own division. And this year, it's going to be, I believe, 54. So fewer games against the Blue Jays, fewer games against the Rays, those teams that know him a little bit better, the Red Sox, and even Baltimore, who is an up-and-coming franchise as well, uh, especially in their lineup, Baltimore. It's not really so much the pitching, it's their young bats. And he won't have to face them as much this year. And that goes for everybody who is in a tough division. Uh, it's going to be a little more spread out this year. So if there is some worry that, you know, there's going to be three starts against the Jays and three against Baltimore and three against Tampa, and it's going to – those guys are not going to – you know, they're going to know him a little bit better than the average lineup. Uh, that won't be such a factor anymore for him or for, for anybody this season, really. Some people, it'll hurt them if they're in a weaker division, if you're in the American League Central, National League Central. You're going to have to play some better teams on average. But for a guy like Nestor Cortez – uh, I think that this is that, that's particularly a really good uh, situation for him to be in. And overall, I think that it's going to be a, a really good draft pick here at 115. And even if you go down a little bit farther, I, I, there's no one, even if you go a little bit above or below him, uh, I think he's probably the guy that I'm going to be taking in this range. Even his teammate, Luis Severino, a couple picks, picks above him. Uh, I think there's a little bit more risk with Severino injury-wise. Uh, he's the main one that's going in that range above him that I prefer Cortez over and then Green. Um, you know, Nick Lodolo, I really like Nick Lodolo, but I think Cortez is probably a safer pick. Uh, you got guys like Clayton Kershaw, Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito. There is risk associated with all of those guys. Personally, maybe I would still take uh, Kershaw over him, but I think I'm going to be pretty big on Giolito. Just looking at the guys in his range here, you're going to get around, you know, past pick 100, and he's going to be one of the more attractive names available. So for me, uh, I'm totally happy to take him here, probably as your SP four, maybe five. And again, there's so many different strategies, maybe a little bit higher, but generally in that range, like your fourth SP, maybe fifth, uh, I would be, I'd be very happy with it. Next up here, we have Carlos Rodon. I'm a big fan of Carlos Rodon, and I was talking about him, not even specifically about him, but I put out a tweet earlier today, and he was a part of it, even though he wasn't uh, the main part of it here. I was looking at post-All-Star break numbers because I think that is important, how a guy does perform uh, once the season is winding down a little bit. Uh, they have a lot more innings under their belt, first of all, so you're going to see if they can maintain more of a workload, and plus it's also the most recent sample that we have to work from. So after the All-Star game, there were only four pitchers who 
who had a sub three FIP, XFIP, and Sierra. I didn't include XCRA for this for whatever reason. I don't really even know why. Uh, but a sub FIP or sub three FIP, XFIP, and Sierra, and a strikeout percentage above 30%. It was Carlos Rodon, Blake Snell, Aaron Nola, and Zach Gallen. And the point of the tweet was to highlight that Blake Snell is pretty cheap this year, uh, ADP of 124, the 37th SP off the board. But Carlos Rodon is also in that category of, you know, he's an elite pitcher. Uh, I think we were kind of hesitant to say it after the year in Chicago. It was only 130 innings, and he'd never really been anywhere near that good before. He'd actually been, like, pretty terrible uh, in his career up to that point. Uh, maybe I'm being a little too harsh, but really nothing exciting going on for Carlos Rodon until 2021, and then he was able to carry that over this season, which was not a big surprise going to San Francisco organizationally, I think it's them and the Guardians in terms of pitching development. Uh, they're at the top. I'd like to say my Blue Jays are in the top there with Pete Walker, but they're really not. Uh, they're all right with pitching, but I think that the best two franchises and probably probably the best is, is Cleveland, but I think San Francisco is right up there with the way that they can A, develop pitching, and B, take a guy from another location, rework a couple of things, and then you get something like Carlos Rodon. Obviously, he was very good last year. But if he went to a shitty organization for pitching, you know, if he went to the Angels or he went to, God, you know, one of those poverty franchises, I don't think we would have seen him carry this over. So that is very good. He is not going to be back in San Francisco, which does give me a little bit of pause. But overall, when you look at what he's done these last couple of seasons, he's striking out roughly 34% of his batters. It was 34.6 last year, 33.4 this year. He's walking just below league average, about 7%. And his indicators are pretty good. Uh, I mean, very good if you're talking about these last couple of seasons. And I'm looking at everything as, you know, his whole career. And some of the indicators early in his career in the ERA were were terrible. Like 2020, uh, it was only a couple games, but 8 ERA. Uh, 2019, it was 519. Uh, you know, going back 418, 415, 404. Very, very mediocre. These last couple of years, let's talk about this year. 288 ERA, 264 XERA, 225 FIP, 291 XFIP. And then the Sierra 283. Even if I had included XERA, he still would have met that criteria. He's an elite pitcher. I think where he goes will have some uh, standing on his value. I didn't even mention where he was going in drafts this year. 86.6 on ADP, according to Yahoo's numbers. He finished as the 39th ranked player over there. That's all players, not just pitchers. And his ADP for this year is 51. I think that that's pretty good value for Carlos Rodon. If you want to pass up on pitching in the first couple of rounds, maybe take your first pitcher in round three or round four, I think Rodon makes a lot of sense. And you might be a little nervous having him as your ace, perhaps. Uh, but I'm not even. I, I'm, I'm not. I think that whatever he has done these last couple of years will stick. We've seen him carry it over from, from the White Sox to San Francisco. And, yes, San Francisco knows what they're doing there. <clears throat> but that's still you, – you can't take away what the pitcher has done as well. He has made some changes I'm just going to take a look at his pitch mix because I'm not sure if that changed so much. Um, he started throwing more fastballs, uh, fewer changeups, fewer breaking balls in general. Uh, this year, even more fastballs. And he threw more sliders actually kind of in line <clears throat> with what he did in 2020 and 2019. Uh, I'm really not sure what exactly to nail it down to. I think maybe uh, you know he's gotten rid of his changeup pretty much. Maybe that was something that was – I'm going to take a look at the pitch value of his changeup. Um, because it seems, yeah, it was a bad pitch. It was a very bad pitch for him. So he's gotten rid of that. That might be, and again, I'm not a pitching expert, even though I, I used to be a pitcher. I love pitching. I'm just trying to figure out what exactly he changed here that led to more success. And I think that that is something <clears throat> where we can attribute it to a little bit anyway. 
uh, changing up his pitch mix, a little bit more heavy use of the fastball, uh, less changeup, and he's been very successful because of it. So wherever Rodon does end up going, I'd expect him to maintain a similar kind of value. If you look at Babip, 293, nothing crazy there, leaving 75% of runners on base, you know, fairly in line with the league average. Uh, no, no major concerns with Carlos Rodon heading into next year. In fact, uh, I'm going to be happily taking him if it gets to round four and he's still sitting there for me because there is kind of a bit of a dead zone after Rodon. I mean, you can go with Shane Bieber. I'd pick 55. So Rodon at 51 and then Bieber at 55. And then the next pitcher by ADP is Alec Manoa at 65. So there is a little bit of a gap there. Uh, I think Rodon makes sense if you're getting into the fourth round. Whatever your standing is with pitchers, uh, I think that he is somebody who's going to have pretty decent value there. Obviously, uh, we'll know more when we figure out where he's going to go. But as of right now, uh, pick 51 feels very reasonable for me with Carlos Rodon. Next up, we got Christian Javier, who is somebody that is still undervalued, I think. His ADP coming into the year was 220. Uh, He finished as the 40th overall player on Yahoo, 40. And his ADP is at 89 heading into this year. Now, I don't understand the general disrespect, even within his own organization, when there, need, when there is a need to put somebody in the bullpen, uh, it tends to be him uh, over these last three seasons. He has started 44 games, and he has appeared in 78 games. I think that he is somebody who has really earned a solid, hard rotation spot, regardless of what happens going forward. I don't care how good Hunter Brown is. I don't care how good anybody else is. I think Christian Javier should be in that rotation. And he was for the majority of the year, 25 starts. Uh, He did appear five times in relief, but his numbers were incredibly good. A 254 ERA, a 243 XERA. 316 FIP, 353 XFIP, which is a little bit higher. And the XFIP I'm not as big on. Uh, Sierra was 314. But in terms of the XFIP, I still use it. I use them all together. But that, I believe, uses league average home run rate as opposed to the home runs that you've actually allowed. I think that that is the way um, that XFIP works. And it's kind of, I don't know, there's something that feels not quite right about using that exclusively. I don't think anybody really does. You use it in conjunction with everything else, and then it gives you a general picture here. And when you look at all the indicators, just hovering above the three range, uh, I'm very, very confident in him going forward. He strikes out a lot of batters, 33%. Now, he does have a bit of a control problem. Uh, In 2021, he walked 12.5% of batters. This year, though, he did get it down to 8.9. So maybe he's able to get that down a touch more, uh, get to league average, which I believe, I'm not sure about this year, but generally uh, 8% is, is league average walk rate. I think that he can get to that point. Um, maybe maybe he'll stick at 9, but even if he does stick at 9, uh, 8, 9, 10%, it's not a huge concern for me. Maybe if he goes up to 10, it would be a little bit of a concern. Uh, but you know, even what he did in 2021 when the walk rate was higher, it was still just a 3.55 ERA with still great strikeout numbers. So he still had value. Uh, he wasn't starting a ton, but when he was in 2021, he was still somebody that you wanted to pick up, you wanted to stream in most cases. Still a young guy. He's 25 years old. Uh, no question in my mind that he'll make the rotation <clears throat> heading into next year. I think it would be ridiculous if he doesn't. But uh, there's also been some weird stuff with him in the past with being moved to the bullpen. Maybe it's an inning issue. They don't want him to throw too many innings. He threw 148 this year. That was the most he had thrown at any level. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think we'll probably see him get a little bit higher. Uh, Steamer hasn't projected for 168 innings. I don't really like Steamer for pitchers. But, you know, if he can get somewhere in that 160, 165 range, uh, very, very happy to take him. Wins are something that are important, and the Astros get a lot of them. We've seen it with Jose Urquidy. He's not a great pitcher, but he seems to rack up 10, 12, 13 wins every single season. 
Uh, when you take a guy who is actually a good pitcher, no offense to Jose Arquiti, I just don't think he's very good. Uh, get a guy like Javier who is actually a, a very good pitcher. Uh, you can maybe even argue a great pitcher, and I'm, I'm happy to take him where he's going. He is going at pick 88. It feels, it feels really low. Uh, he's the 37th pitcher off the board in total, and he's another guy who fits into this kind of range with you, Darvish, where I think that there is going to be some pretty good value, and you push up a little bit higher. We talked about a couple of guys yesterday in the 60s who also have really good value. Alec Manoa, Kevin Gosman, uh, Max Fried, Zach Gallen. he's going 75. That's kind of the sweet spot for me with pitchers. If you can get, <clears throat> if you can get guys like Manoa and Freed and Gosman, uh, maybe even Luis Castillo, Zach Allen, Joe Musgrove, uh, you know, Darvish, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, if you can build your rotation out of three or four of these guys, which might be hard, you, you know, you're going to have to go pitching like every pick from, you know, the fifth round to the ninth round. If you can do that and get these guys, it's possible. Uh, I would recommend doing that. At least, you know, I play, I'm going to play in a lot of leagues this year. I played in a lot of leagues last year. Uh, diversify your player pool. Don't have too much invested in one particular player. <clears throat> but I think a very viable strategy is to go hard on your batters in the first five rounds. Secure those tough positions. You get your catcher, you get your second baseman, you get your third baseman, and then you're able to just go with some pitchers who are probably a little bit undervalued. We talked about it a lot yesterday with Manoa. 65, it feels like a great bargain. Uh, Gosman at 69, <clears throat> that's also a great bargain. And all of these guys that we just mentioned here, uh, going down to Christian Javier and even beyond. Uh, you know, there's a couple of guys going past pick 100 who are also kind of bargains. Well, I'm not going to go over all of them right now because we're going to do this over the course of the next couple of weeks. But you don't have to take pitching early is, is generally the point that I want to make today. Is There are a lot of guys who are going in the back half of the top 100 who are still great values. They were great values in 2022. Their prices are not really reflective of that for the most part. I mean, it is with, with Scherzer, uh, Rodon, kind of. But these guys are fairly inexpensive, and they all had pretty elite seasons in 2022. I would be not opposed to drafting any of them. Scherzer is the one I have the most trepidation about, but even then, uh, not a huge problem if you're taking Scherzer in the fourth round. Last guy we are going to go over in depth today, Max Fried. We talked about Max Fried just a second ago. I think that he is also a really, really valuable pick uh, where he's going. So, his ADP heading into the year was 67.2. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. I've had something caught in my throat here for the last like week or so. I think maybe getting a little bit sick. I apologize. <clears throat> I apologize for uh, for the coughing and clearing of the throat. But 67.2 was his ADP heading into the year. Uh, he finished 41st over on Yahoo, and his ADP is pretty much exactly the same. It's at 66 for this season. He's pretty damn consistent. We know what he's going to do. Uh, last year, 14 and seven record. This year, 14 and seven record. He actually got an improvement in his ERA from 304 down to 248. Consistency is the main word here with Max Fried. Uh, 309 career ERA, 330 FIP, 339 career XFIP. You know what he's going to give you. Uh, the Sierra a little bit higher at 371, but overall, you're getting like roughly a three ERA. You're getting close to 15 wins. You're getting not the greatest strikeout numbers, 23%, 23%, 22%, 24% these last four years. Pretty average, but the walk rate is also really good. Last year, 6.1%. This year, he got it down to 4.4%. I think that in this range, pick 66, again, he is in that grouping of dudes where I'm I'm going to do multiple different drafts. There'll be a couple drafts where maybe I go, you know, Burns and Cole at the end of the first or, you know, 
Cole and DeGrom or something like that, or Strider, you know, some combination of those elite guys going in the top 30, top 40 picks. But I think it's really viable to wait on pitching as well. Uh, I, I recommend doing a couple of leagues. I know some people, a lot of people probably don't like that. A lot of hassle I've gotten with my friends about doing multiple basketball leagues over the years. You know, one points league, one category league. A lot of people just like to play in their one league. And that's fine. Uh, if you're playing in one league, we're going to talk strategy more so uh, later on in the offseason. Well, we'll touch on it here and there. But I think, well, first of all, there are, there are so many different ways. There's no wrong way to build your roster this season. Um, but I really like the idea of waiting on pitching until the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Get yourself a Rodon. Get yourself a Javier. Get yourself a Max Freed. You're getting dudes. We don't know where Rodon's going to go, but I'm assuming it's not going to be a shitty team. Assuming he's going to go to some kind of contender, most likely. Uh, you're getting guys who are going to be pitching for good teams who give you, for the most part, really good strikeouts. I know Max Freed is crazy high strikeouts, but you're getting solid, consistent pitchers who are going to rack up wins, and they're not costing that much. I think that that's... That's the main thing. I like these guys all, but I wouldn't like them so much uh, if the price was higher. And that's what a lot of it comes down to. Uh, if you guys are <clears throat> if you guys are drafting right now, I would very much so uh, avoid pitching early on unless maybe you're taking one ace. If you want to go with you know a Burns or a Cole or a Cease or a McClanahan, then take batters for the next four or five rounds, and then get a couple of these guys. I'm not going to give you a hard time about it. But there is just a lot of value as we head down this board. So, guys, that's going to pretty much do it for us today. Um, again, we're going to continue to do pitching for a little while now. There are a lot of pitchers to go over. We're going to start with the starting pitchers. Obviously, we'll probably do seven or eight pitching shows, go over maybe six guys each show. I know we went over more yesterday with Michael. Uh, we're probably going to end up going over close to you know 75 or so starting pitchers here uh, in depth. And then... There'll be guys that we miss. <clears throat> I mentioned this earlier in the uh, off season and throughout the year as well. We're going to do team review and recaps and look forwards. So if we miss out on a particular pitcher, we'll hit them when we cover that specific team. Uh, because when I'm doing these pitching reviews, I could, I suppose, do like 30 shows or whatever and get into, you know, Adam Simber and Michael Pineda and Madison Bumgarner and those guys. I don't think that that's really what you guys want to hear. When we go through specific teams, <clears throat> we will talk about them, uh, but I don't think that there is so much of a need, you know, to tell you about why Hyunjin Ryu shouldn't be drafted this year or Patrick Corbin or, you know, guys like that. We'll talk about them when we talk team-specific shows. Uh, but, guys, thank you so much for continuing to check out the pod. I really appreciate that. We're almost at 200 pods now. We've almost done 200 shows. I believe this is 189. Let me just check real quick. I think we've done 188 as of yesterday. No, this is 188. This is 188. We're going to be at 200 in a couple of weeks. Uh, I really appreciate you guys who have listened. Maybe this, some of you have listened to every episode. God bless you if you have. Uh, hit the five-star button and leave a couple of kind words at the bottom of the pod page. That would mean a lot to me, a lot to us here at Sports Ethos. Uh, go ahead and check out Ethos Fantasy BB on Twitter. Forget about my account. Just go follow Ethos Fantasy BB. That is where all of our stuff will be posted. New podcasts, new articles, new Twitter threads, new information of all kinds relating to baseball and fantasy baseball. We, of course, have feeds uh, going on for basketball, football, and hockey as well. Ethos Fantasy BK for basketball. Uh, Ethos uh, Fantasy 
FB for football and Ethos Fantasy HK for hockey. We got everything going on. Uh, if you put in sports ethos in your Twitter bar, search bar, uh, you should be able to find all that stuff. But until tomorrow, guys, I hope you have a great night and everybody uh, takes care of their fantasy teams. Uh, enjoy your drafts anyway, guys. Jesus. Take care. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.